What is the LGA? What does it do? And how important is it to the Lib Dems? Welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. Hello, thank you for tuning in. My name is John Potter. We're here with another episode of the Lib Dem podcast. And today we're talking about the Local Government Association or the LGA. It's vitally important to the workings of so much of local democracy, yet I imagine most of our listeners probably have no idea what it does, what benefit it brings to councillors. And so we're here to dis- to inform you and let you know everything that you need to know about the LGA. And so not only have I brought Richard Kemp with me from Liverpool, who has been involved with the LGA for many a decade. Hello, Richard. Hi, nice to be back on. But we've got two... We couldn't get better guests. I couldn't have wished for better guests. We have the new leadership of the Lib Dem group of the LGA. We have Joe Harris from Cotswold. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast again. Great to see you and great to be back on. Thank you very much. And first time attendee on the podcast, we have Bridget Smith, who is the leader of South Cam's uh, Liberal Democrats and is the deputy leader of the Lib Dems on LJ. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you so much for inviting me. You are absolutely welcome. So, Joe, we might as well start with you. What is the LGA? <laughs> well, it's a really good question. And I think actually it's one of the reasons I decided to put myself forward for the leadership of the Lib Dem group at the LGA. It's because we've got loads and loads of fantastic councillors and they don't know what the LGA does, what it is and what it's capable of doing in terms of helping them and informing national policy and debate. So in a nutshell, the way I said it to people is the LGA is a bit like the professional association or perhaps a union for, for local government. So the vast majority of councils up and down the land are members, so they make up the membership. And then, and then of course, through the political groups, because it's a politically-led organisation, we appoint, um, we appoint um, roles within our own group, all the Lib Dem councillors, and then members of, um, members, of, um, members of the Lib Dem team then go on to sit on the various boards that the LGA um, has and obviously, um, and obviously make up senior leadership of the, um, of the LGA. So, yeah, it's a politically-led organisation. It's a cross-party organisation. So while, of course, we sit in our political groups, there's a lot of cross-party working. And I think, you know, Bridget and I were saying the other day, actually, that's quite nice, actually, because we know, so, you know, we know how polarised politics is at the minute and can be. And actually, it's an opportunity for all of us, um, you know, Liberal Democrat councillors, Labour, Conservative, to get together, to chew the fat on a host of issues and try and lobby for um, improvements. That's not to say there aren't disagreements. Of course, there are. Um, but on the whole, the LGA comes together and we lobby for best practice and you know for a better deal for local government does that sum it up all right <laughs> I think that, w- that was fine okay i think we can go home no that's that's <laughs> no now no, bridget you obviously uh have been leader for some time at south cams so how important has the lj to you as a leader and as a councillor and what's the day-to-day for the leadership you and joe's roles like with the lj so if i tell you about my introduction to the lga it was on the minute that the count was being, the final count was being read out in May 2018, which showed that we'd had a landslide victory in South Cambridgeshire. And my phone started ringing just as the, you know, in the final moments, the victory, the victory moment. And it was Sarah Butikoff, who um, helps lead on all the peer mentors, on the phone going, oh my God, Bridget, Right, let's, we've got things lined up for you. We've got mentors lined up for you. We've got training lined up. And I was going, Sarah, Sarah, you'll just have to hang on a moment. 
So I then rang her back fairly soon after that, once we'd kind of drawn our breath. And, you know, within minutes, I had a mentor assigned to me. And in fact, I think I ended up with about four, all of whom I have used. I still, I still use Keith House was my initial mentor, but, you know, I use Sarah, Alan Connett supports me. Keith House has always uh, been on the end of the phone for me 24-7. So there was those people kind of folding my hand as I was thrown into a completely new new role and change of control for a council, which isn't just a big issue for the politicians. It's a big issue for officers as well to cope with. Then they sent me on leadership academies and leadership courses. Um, members of the cabinet went on finance training. You know, we were all, I think every member of the cabinet had a mentor as well. So massive training. They came and ran sessions for my group and they keep on running sessions for the group. You know, they, they are, they've just been there holding our hands every minute of the day and we have been far better for it so whenever I talk to people who've been thrown into the situation I say your first call has to be to the the Lib Dem office at the LGA because they are the people who will make it easy for you. Hello John from the Lib Dem podcast here we are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever you need a professional looking online presence and website Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Praetorains website at praetorains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. And I suppose, Richard, you've like been involved with the LJ for some time. And it's that just having that backup behind you. You know, we have things like the ALDC that are there for the campaigning kind of backup. The LGA is there kind of to help you once you get elected. And whether that you are a single councillor on your own, which can be daunting, or you suddenly, I mean, we've had interviews with people like Amanda Hopgood, et cetera, who are suddenly thrown into very interesting situations where you're having to do all sorts of deals and negotiations and take over. Like, and Amanda Hopgood in Durham, if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you do, because that is, I mean, unbelievable. First change in Labour for over 100 years, first female leader of, uh, of Durham. It was just a huge switch. And so the LGA is vital for that kind of transition. Yeah, I mean, helping Lib Dem groups is a very important part of our work, from the the Lib Dem office, that is. And in fact, if you look, we're better at supporting our councillors and our councillors are better at going for training and mentoring than the other three political groups uh, at the LGA. So we should be proud of what the LGA group does, but we should also be proud of what our councillors do, because by and large, Lib Dem councillors don't just want to be there, because if they did, they would have found an easier way to do it. They want to be the best council. They want to be the best councillor. They want to be the best ward councillor, the best cabinet member, for whatever it is. They want to do it properly. Uh, and uh, on Saturday, I was with Amanda Hopgood in Durham. I'm her mentor. Very difficult circumstances there. Uh, where, of course, there are four parties in a partnership and the Lib Dems aren't even the biggest of them. But they're powering the agenda. 
partly because of the support we've been able to put in behind some very impressive councillors like Amanda. You then look at the other two functions of the LGA. One of the problems that the LGA always has, and it's the point in a way that Joe was making, is you can't always tell people what you've done or what you're doing because you work with the other parties and we do try and work together. 95% of what we do, we agree on. Why then do we argue, as we do in our council chambers, to be honest, about 5%. And if I were to tell you some of the meetings I've had with ministers and that Joe and Bridget will have now that have changed things, well, I wouldn't get into another ministerial meeting and neither would the LGA. So you can't always proudly say we've done this and put it on the... Uh, equivalent uh, of a focus, and then the Sorry, other. Richard, thing, can I just, can I just yeah. come in there because that's actually a really good point. I want to kind of dig in yeah. with with Joe and Bridget with the fact that you know, I would say as a councillor, as a leader of a group, I've used the LG LGA. We've got like fortnightly meetings now, which have been fantastic. But I would say, and this is no uh, disrespect to anyone who's come before, that a lot of people have no idea what it does. And a lot of councillors have no idea what they could access, what it was doing for them. So, Joe, I know you ran on a kind of a fresh face, kind of a more proactive LJ group. Is that something that, that you think we must improve upon? Yeah, a- absolutely. And I think I think you're right. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think sometimes, you know, it's a case of reviewing what we're doing. Are we cutting through? Are we getting through to the people that we really need to? Um, we've got a... You know, a big focus of mine is on the communications, the internal communications. How do we how do we speak to, you know, the councillors that perhaps okay they see the they see the weekly email we put out, but you know for some reason they don't read it or you know they just decide not to um, they decide to stick it in the bin. So, you know, we're having a session on Friday, Bridget and I, with, with Alan Connett and with Heather Heather Kidd, our other uh, our other members of the leadership team, really looking at how we can you know get the Lib Dem office you know, better at communications, can we get a targeted action plan together, a bit of a content plan, how are we going to speak to people and how are we going to do it um, in different ways? We know through our election campaigns, don't we? It's all about communication. The more we communicate with our residents, the more we demonstrate what we're doing, demonstrate best practice, the more likely they are to have heard of us and then subsequently to vote for us. So if we want people engaged, we absolutely have to improve um, communication. Yeah. Richard, I'll let you finish your second point now. <laughs> uh, well, the, the second point was then policy formulation. Um, so uh, all our spokespersons put a lot of time in behind the scenes in producing what comes out as an LGA policy statement. And frankly, because our people inside the LGA work harder as well, you look at the policy briefs and say, isn't that a Dem policy? And often it is. But then if we were to go and Joe waves his hand and say, oh, well, actually, it's all the damn policy. Look what we've done. Again, our influence would decrease. So it's a very difficult balance that Joe and Bridget has to claiming the credit for things that we rightly should, but not doing it in a way that makes sure that our, our people coming behind us won't be able to, to get in. So it's, it's support. It's policy promotion and it's lobbying are the three functions of the LGA. I'm, I'm, I'm Bridget. So I'm, I'm very conscious. Obviously, we're all local councillors in various forms across the country. 
how how important is the LJ to the function of local government? How much does it improve it? I mean, I I mean personally, <laughs> I, it's been invaluable to me as a person. I was on like the Next Generation program, which is something when I first got elected. I was the LJ paid for me to go to Lib Dem areas to see what Lib Dems were doing. I went. You talked about Keith House down in Eastleigh. I was sent down to Eastleigh to experience it and things like that. So, how important is the LGA? Because local government's under threat. I don't think there's any. No way of disguising it. Local government is in a really tricky position at the moment. All this talk about social care that's in the news, there's still no plan to how that's going to be solved and how local authorities are supposed to deal with that. So how important is your role in making sure we are united as well? So I think it's vitally important. So, I mean, the reality is that, uh, you know, Joe or I, we're not going to get in front of Conservative ministers by, by ourselves. We're not going to be sat over a desk for them. Um, but, you know, people, the representatives from the LGA are going to sit in, a, in a, a room with cabinet ministers. And, you know, it's those conversations that we are feeding into behind the scenes. And as Richard has said, you know, because we as Liberal Democrats, we are heavily involved in the LGA, you know, and very, very often, I mean, more often than not, it's the stuff that we are banging on about that actually makes it through to the end product. And that is what the LGA, either through its officers or through uh, the chairs of the different boards and so on, actually take before four ministers. So, you know, it's a, it's very frustrating that, you know, we can't take all the credit for that all of the time. But really, it's our only way of speaking directly to to cabinet members, to ministers, to uh, to the to the policymakers. So I cannot, you know, I cannot say strongly enough how important it is. And without the LGA, people like Joe and I, even though, you know, we're running really exciting councils, we nobody would hear us, quite honestly, outside our own areas. So, but Joe, is there a difference now with this government? I, I mean, I'm talking in particular about planning reform, etc. Where, I mean, I thought the planning reforms would never happen because I just assumed there'd be a groundswell of dislike among Tory areas. So I thought, well, the, the Tories don't mind if they annoy us. They don't mind if they annoy Labour, but they they tend to listen when their own side get very annoyed with stuff. But that seems to have not changed. So they're still pressing ahead with those. Okay. They've modified it slightly so southern areas are less badly hit. But does that mean is this government and its populist kind of stance mean that the LJ is diminishing in the eyes of this particular government? Um, potentially, um, potentially. Um, I think you know what the current situation highlights is that you know when you've got a government with a massive majority um, who feel you know, who are very arrogant and feel they can get away with everything, they can to a certain extent um, ride roughshod over um, over people's views. So in that respect, maybe it has been a bit of a bit of a diminishing role. I think what the LGA um, you know really succeeds at though is um, you know lobbying yes lobbying ministers but also the civil servants who actually do a lot of the groundwork on the policy. Um, and you know a lot of the detail, which which quite often is, is is the most important part. You get the big headlines, of course, on on policy, but it's those um it's the more granular stuff that the civil servants work on. So the LGA are very good um, at uh, affecting that level of detail. You've mentioned a couple of issues there. You've mentioned planning reforms. We've we've mentioned social care, which I know you're going to be talking about. Um, yeah, these are these are huge, big issues, and I think particularly on um, social care that we're um, that we're talking about today. Well, actually, the government have to listen to us because yeah, it's local government that's going to be having to you know, carry out and oversee a lot of the um, a lot of the social care reform. So yeah, you know, they don't listen to us at our peril. Actually, so there is engagement, but you're right, whether or not they're listening to us, um, you know, enough. 
I don't know, um, but you know, it's. I think it's open for. Uh, it's open. It's open for a big discussion. I think. Richard, has it always been the case that local government is kind of little bit kind of put down by by the national government, or am I just being too critical of the current uh, the current administration? Well, well, it certainly got worse, but. The LGA was formed in 1997 when there were three organisations, one for county councils, one for district councils and one for metropolitan authorities. And we came together because we just knew at the time that that would give us more influence. And the, the, the most fruitful period that I've been involved in is actually when John Prescott was the Deputy Prime Minister and head of the Office of the Deputy Prime Minister, which actually includes most of MH. CLG, yes, just checking I got that right. Uh, the initials keep changing, the boring stays the same. And then we used to have for every uh, six months uh, a central local partnership. Uh, John Prescott would chair one side and the chair of the LJ would chair the other. And the appropriate Secretary of State would be wheeled in whether or not he wanted to come. And it was the LGA together. But my prediction is that within a year, uh, Joe and Bridget and some of the new team coming in will be meeting on a regular basis, more ministers than our parliamentarians, except they will meet them, of course, across the chamber, but actually meeting, uh, meeting them. And they won't just do it in formal places. Uh, for example, for some reason, uh, I, I spent six years uh, as the LGA spokesman on loneliness and suicide. I think it must be because I was appointed just after the uh, coalition ended. So I think every Liberal Democrat was feeling lonely and suicidal. Uh, but I would meet regularly the public health minister, the care minister, the this minister and that minister, like this or on a Zoom. So... So, uh, yes, most of the work now is done Tory to Tory. They talk most to each other. But if that Tory is 95% of the message is Joe's and the Labour group and the independent group as well, it doesn't matter as long as the channels are there. Richard, could it be argued that you and Joe are two of the most powerful Lib Dems in the country now? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it, it is interesting, I mean, because what Richard said and what you guys have said, you do have a kind of combined with other local, uh, other, sorry, other political groups within the LGA, you do have quite a strong voice. Um, and I, and I, but I wonder that, I wonder if you could talk a little bit maybe about the process, because we can think of, I'm sure we could think of a dozen things in our case where we think, well, we'd love to be able to do that. But for some reason, some rule just not letting us. And you think of, I don't want to keep on talking about planning, but it keeps on coming up. So, so why can't you force developers to actually build, you know, or something like that? Or, 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 you know, issues where you just think, well, it makes common sense. Why can't the council do that? How much do you, is that your day-to-day -day just trying to iron out these things, which just the, the powerlessness sometimes of local councils? So, so if I give you an, an example of where I, where I know we've really influenced. So I've um, ever since I became the leader of the council, I've sat on the district council network board, um, which is another of these sort of sub boards of, of the LGA, which represents district councils, not surprisingly enough. Now, one of the biggest threats to district councils has been local government reform, because, you know, the Conservatives would like to get rid of really irritating people like Joe and me and Richard um, and, you know, force unitarisation as a way of getting rid getting rid of most of us 
Um, so the starting point of the debate at the, D at the DCN, which again is all cross-party, was, well, it's bound to happen, so let's just try and shape it and make it as good as it can be. To which, you know, myself and the other Lib Dem co uh, colleagues went, absolutely not. You know, this is something that threatens the whole future of, of our level of local government. And it is a die in a ditch matter. And so, you know, we really, really hit hard. And in the end, uh, in a comparatively short period of time, the response that came out of District Council Network was over our dead bodies. This is really bad news. This is the value of district councils. You know, the government, the government have got it majorly wrong on, on local government reform. So, you know, that, that fed into the process and suddenly, well, not suddenly, but you know, it's, it's off the table in the, in the way it was. I think they're trying to sneak it back in now with these county, county deals. So we'll have to have another look at, look at that. Um, but I think I think we really influenced it because they suddenly realised that they had a, a fight on their hands that was a cross party party fight. So I think we actually influenced government policy on that. It would be remiss of me not to say that um, while I what I have a problem with with what you've just said is that I Preston struggles I, and I can use Lancashire as a an, as an example that see Preston has large assets but is a is a, is a borough still and struggles to make that work whereas a central length unitary for us would probably work quite well however neighboring ribble valley which is cozy little doesn't want to take on the big hits of things like social care would be probably a, a massive sea change in their development is it not the fact that should areas not be able to decide what's best for them Exactly, exactly. But that wasn't what was proposed. This was a top-down, you know, let's let's turn us all into a, a sort of unified mass. And the, one of the major arguments about it was that as councillors, we actually represent far more people in the electorate than anywhere else in Europe. So there's already a democratic deficit, and this was going to make it all worse. And it wasn't about helping different areas about leveling up it was about getting rid of anyone other than tories quite honestly so you know absolutely it should be down to individual areas but you know we know um we know that with the whole unitary um debate district councils could be forced into it they not everybody had to actually sign up to it and that was fundamentally flawed very different to you know combined authorities all partners had to had to be prepared to sign all the things there I suppose one of the problems, though, you, you get three councils together, even if they're of the same political persuasion. And I can use it again here, Preston controls South, sorry, Labour controls South Ribble, Chorley and Preston, but the South Ribble leader might not like the Preston Labour leader and other such things. So the idea, I, I mean, if there's no sort of, I don't want to say top down, but if there's no kind of incentive, then probably they, it just won't happen. Is But we have kind of drifted off a little bit here. And one of the things I want to talk about, Joe, is actually about how we ensure best practice for our councillors as well. Because you know what, I, I know, and this is this won't be a surprise to anyone listening or watching the podcast. Is you know there are some really duff councillors. There aren't enough people getting involved in politics, so the talent pool is limited. Some councillors are brilliant. In fact, most councillors are brilliant. But we've all seen those ones who turn up to a meeting. They haven't read the papers. They're just you know, lobby fodder and just vote the way they're told. How do we improve the amount of people coming into local politics and wanting to get involved? Yeah, I think on your first point there about best practice, I think, well, it's quite simple, really, just talking about it, you know. So if, um, you know, if South Cambridgeshire are doing something really exciting, let's make sure that we're telling people. And 
regularly telling people, not just, you know, sticking it at the end of a report somewhere and, you know, it, it gathering dust. So regularly telling people and that will feed into that communications plan that we want to um, that we want to put together. But you're right, John, you know, local government is not a diverse place. I mean, it really isn't. Um, you know, women are woefully underrepresented on a lot of authorities. Just a big shout out, um, you know, at this, at this stage, I did a, did a panel at the ALDC conference at the weekend with our three fantastic new women county council leaders. And, you know, I th I'd argue that they're the most powerful Lib Dems in the country, actually, looking at the sizes of their, uh, the size of their budget. But that, that's brilliant. Um, you look at our parliamentarian, uh, parliamentarians, our MPs, that's getting better. But equally, you know, we still we still really suffer from, um, you know, a lack of representation among, um, you know, black and ethnic minority groups. Um, even even LGBT um, groups, uh, it's there's a long way to go, and I think you know, working with the National Party who are undertaking a um, a diversity review, I think you know we can look at how we can apply that to local government. Working with AODC, you know, try and to try and bring people into the tent. But yeah, it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. We have made progress, but there's still a long way to go. I think one of the things that Lib Dems can do, though, as could theoretically members of the other groups, is to look at the abiding principles. Because interestingly, I'm looking at governance options in a unitary council in Liverpool, which is a tight knit one, which are very similar to the ones my Liberal Democrat colleagues are looking at in Durham. It will seem different. But there will be a common set of principles uh, uh, which are based on our liberal democrat bottom-up meets top-down beliefs but we'd interpret that differently in liverpool than uh, durham and part of our job if i was to say what did i fail at uh, as leader uh, it, it's getting our councillors involved properly in policy discussions like that. Uh, our people are very tiggerish, they work very, very hard, they put in ridiculous hours, and then they're knackered and say, well, what are the principles of governance in Durham or Liverpool or Cambridgeshire? So somehow we have got to help people carve out time for thinking. Uh, and uh, I think Joe or Bridget, Bridget said that she went away and saw Keith House. We've all done that. Uh, but I'm bringing uh, Amanda and her deputy to Liverpool for two days. And partly that is just to be challenged with things that are very, very different. Uh, but to give them time out to think about what they're seeing, rather than some officer say, oh, you've got to deal with this by, by five o'clock, uh, leader. And is it the fact, uh, and Joe, Bridget, I don't mind who answers this one, we just need to hear more from you guys. I mean, not, not you guys personally, but your comstrage, that's what you're right. We might be doing brilliant things in this council. I think there's nearly 50 councils the Lib Dems are either in majority control or minority governance of. And actually think, well, why are they doing such a good job? Why can't a group inspire a smaller group in an area where we're not so strong? Surely that must be the, the biggest benefit you guys could bring. Shall I just pick that up quickly, and then Bridget, um, you, you, you can come in. I think, yeah, you're right, and we need to look at we need to look at the different ways we communicate. At the minute, I think the LGA group we've got a we've got a Twitter account, and I think we've got an Instagram account, but that's sort of it. And you know, they tend to just you know we tend to there's not really any plan or strategy. I'll be honest about the way we post. So we need to put that in place. So let's get on Facebook. We know that most people are on Facebook. Most of our councillors are probably on Facebook. Let's try and link them up. But equally, um, 
you know, we need to work with HQ. And I think one of the one of the key things I'm really keen to develop is that relationship between HQ and indeed um, uh, the LGA group. So we can get the National Party celebrating what councillors are doing. Sorry, Bridget. Well, I think I think we need to be fair to, fair to our our predecessors. So you know, kind of horses and water come to mind here. So you know, there there have been lots of communications going out. The LGA does masses. The Lib Dem office does does masses. Um, you know, we've got to look at why people are not picking up the stuff that they've been getting. Are they just not interested? Do they not want to get it in the format they're getting it? Do they want to get it in a different way? Do we need to be, be more focused about it? So, you know, I think we've been doing, I think, you know, we've been doing very well at the LGA over the, over the years that I've been involved. Obviously, things have changed dramatically and particularly with the move to, you know, all the homeworking we're all doing now. It's, we're inhabiting a different world. So I think we need to be um, yeah, just kind of moving on the way we communicate to people. But, you know, we can't make people listen to this stuff. We can't make them share their best practice. So I think we need to be starting with, um, you know, all those, is it two and a half thousand Lib Dem councillors or something now, hooray? Um, you know, saying to them, do you want this stuff? And if you do, what do you want? And then I think it's up to us to do the Lib Dem bottom up bit and then respond to what they, they are saying to us. Richard, what are your thoughts on that? Well, well, I just deal with the numbers. I mean, when I was the leader, I became the leader in 2004, we had 4,200 councillors. But don't confuse that as being the same or different than the 2,500, because since then, the number of councillors has been reduced by approximately 20%. Uh, and, and there's a real problem there. Uh, we're going to go through a reorganisation compulsory in Liverpool, uh, which means we'll go to single wards of 4,500 electors, 5,500 people, roughly. In a big city like Liverpool or a big county like Durham, that puts a huge pressure on the time. Firstly, it's, it's one of the reasons it explains the lack of diversity uh, because of the time. You have to assume if you're 25, and I became a councillor when I was 22, you're going to lose money. But you're also going to assume that by nine o'clock, our people are knackered. Do you want to come on a discussion about governance? <laughs> Probably not the most exciting. So Bridget is right. We've got to find ways to do it. But we've got to find ways to do it with people who are ever increasingly pressed. And the other thing that's happened uh, really since 2010, I now do the work, that a lot of work that used to be done by officers on my behalf in my ward, because there ain't the officers there now so we're asking a small group of people this isn't just the Lib Dems but a small group of people to do more and more and more and that's one of the messages we've got to take to the government because they think you can just pop into county hall the town hall go to a meeting put your hand up and bugger off Mm. They've no idea, and particularly have no idea with respect to Joe and Bridget what it's like in an urban area because the Tories don't exist in big cities anywhere in the country. But I wonder, so do you think there's a, a point where, I mean, no no politician will ever say this out loud, but do, do local politicians have to be paid more? Do they have to be, does it have to be, to get rid of that gap where, because I remember, like I said, I was a city councillor earning, earning, well, getting about three and a half thousand pounds a year from Preston City Council. I, I was doing that 
along with a full-time job and everything else and, you know, trying to have some sort of social life. And it wasn't until I became a county councillor as well when I was suddenly in a position where, okay, I can take a day off my work because I was now getting enough money to do it. But, but I had to work myself absolutely ragged to get there. And, you know, I'm nuts. I get that. I really enjoy campaigning. But you can see how people that will just they just won't do it. And so how do we stop that? How do we improve that, Joe? I think you've got to professionalise it. I think absolutely think it, you know, it is a job. It is a job, you know, quite often. And you tell Bridget or I or Richard that being the leader of a council is not a full-time job. It is. Now, I'm very lucky that in the past few years, I've been able to, you know, not work and just do, you know, being the leader of the council full-time. I'm very lucky that I'm in that position, but for, for many people, they wouldn't be. And, yeah, so I think there's definitely a, there's definitely an argument there for um, you know, for professionalising it, making it a making it a profession, if you like. And I think you know, if we do move to to unitaries and we see councils getting we see councils getting bigger, workloads getting bigger, just the size of what councils do um, growing, then absolutely, I think the argument's going to be there even more so. So, so yeah, I, I really think as well we need to look at. Um, you know, it's outrageous. I think that um, councillors are entitled to pensions. You know, I think um, I think David Cameron um, sort of strict strict councillors of that ability. So, so yeah, it's. I think the current system. It's no wonder we've got a load of you know, sorry to say it, but you know, white middle aged men. You know, all over the place. Um, the system sort of um, the system the system makes that happen. So yeah, we're, until until we reform it, we're always going to get wealthier retired people. And actually, we're probably not diverse in, in a sense in this one, not in, in the ways you've talked about before, but also, I mean, Richard said he was elected in 22. Uh, 22. I was elected at 27. Joe, I think you were 12 when you got elected. <laughs> um, but, you know, but we were all, if you look at, the, certainly my time on any councils, the amount of people under pension age that then re-seek election is dire, is so, so down, because the pressure, and and the pressures and mindset sometimes on working age councillors is horrendous. And to the point where everything we've just talked about, they just can't continue, you know, and it's just because particularly, like I say, when I was Preston City Council, when I was just a Preston City Councillor, I would, it was, if I was to work out my hourly rate, it would be pennies mm-hmm. based on the time I do. And that's not why we do it. You know, if Lib Dems, if we were interested in money and power, we probably wouldn't be just, li- we probably wouldn't be Lib Dems. Well, we've got to overcome that, haven't we, Bridget? Otherwise, how do we ever get better councils? Well, exactly, John, but it's not, you know, it's not, you know, the money's obviously a, a factor and, the, and, you know, the hideous time commitment, but, you know, it's a tough job. And, uh, you know, we're, I think I'm going to be sitting on a board with the LGA looking at, I think they're calling it civility in pub- public life. But actually, you know, that's a very nice way of, of phrasing what, is you know the kind of daily abuse and attacks that people in our position are subjected to and mm-hmm. um, you know we've had a council leader uh, with a car firebombed recently we've had another council leader attacked on a doorstep another per- another leader was telling me that you know it's a weekly occurrence that dog poo is put through his letterbox i don't do facebook now because i just you know it's do- it's just not good for me reading all that all that trolling i'm hanging in with twitter at the moment though you know when i open it up every morning i kind of brace myself for the abuse you know that it, that we're taking it, MPs are taking it. I think we get it worse. And I think actually we are more vulnerable because we're very accessible to, to 
all sorts of all sorts of people. Everyone knows where I live. My address is everywhere. Um, so you know, it's it's got to become a more attractive attractive job. And you know, this is really not helping. Again, I think coming back to the LGA, I'm hopeful that the LGA are going to um, be taking a very very strong leadership role in pushing for you know major improvements in this, you know, better engagement of the police, but also the fact that some of the worst behaviour we're seeing in our most in our most senior politicians. So, you know, they're behaving really badly, you know, it and it makes them fair game. Therefore we all become fair game as well. And it's just it's just not on. You've got to be very, very thick skinned in order to do the job we do. I remember um, there was a Tory councillor in Preston who actually was very, very good and she just couldn't take any sort of abuse. We have a very left-wing uh, kind of rough Labour-run council, and she just couldn't handle it. And she, w- she was actually very good at what she did, and she just said she just couldn't. Un- and, but when you get things like Pretty Patel, who was, you know, admonished for bullying civil servants, and then there was no punishment about that, how do, how, I mean, I, mean, you, I don't expect you guys to have the answers to this, but how do we start that process? Because I love being a counselor. I generally love it. I love going on the street. And what you described, Bridget, was horrendous, all those things happening. But 99.9% of the time, people are amazing on the doors. You know, and, and generally, if you're ever getting sick of politicians in Westminster, go spend an hour knocking on your residents' doors and you'll realise, actually, the, the, the meaning of why you do what you do. But... Are we, are we, are we, is that changing, Joe? Is this, are we entering a new type of politics? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, it's got a lot worse since, um, yeah, with the advent of social media. Um, I think, yeah, Bridget's right, you know, I've come, come off Facebook, but I don't have the notifications on anymore. And I don't, when I post something, I certainly don't read the comments. I think, yeah, it'd be bad for your health. So, has it got worse? Yeah, it probably has. Um, it's probably, you know, been um, accelerated by social media. But as we've just said, it's the whole um, it's the whole issue around, you know, when people see you know, Donald Trump and Boris Johnson and Pretty Patel, you know, saying things, it, it normalises it, unfortunately. And uh, I've been a councillor now for, for, for 10 years. I noticed it after after Brexit and Donald Trump and the vitriol and the and everything that sort of spewed out of that. It has got worse since then. How do we? How do we? How do we? Um, how do we try and improve it? Well, I think we try you know, where we can. We call it out. Uh, we can't go. We can't. We can't go through every comment and um, and um, and police that. But I think you know there needs to be a way of calling it out. Um, you know where where they're. No- I think actually internally, I think advice for our councillors is probably a good place to start. I, I really do. So like Bridget and I were saying, we don't. We just don't. We don't go on it or we don't check it. Um, so I think I think a, a bit of advice on how to cope with it. Um, and then you know how we how we then how how we then deal with the more serious instances and, and you know and actually having some accountability. So you know if somebody does say something you know threatening or very unpleasant, you know there is actually some um, there's some there's some justice and there's some retribution because if these things go unpunished, then you know they're going to continue to um, going to continue to happen. I think what I would say as well is quite often it's not that it's not actually the really nasty ones that upset me. It's just the little jabs and the little things here and there. You think, oh, you know, God, why do I bother? You know, why do I win? So it's really hard. And of course, Bridget said, you know, you got you do have to have thick skin. We know, you know any public any public figure, you know, there's an element of having to have a bit of a thick skin, but. There's a very, there's a very, um, 
yeah, there's a line, isn't there, between what is acceptable and what's not. And I think, um, I think, yeah, it's a tricky one. So, yeah, so sorry, I've talked around that a little bit there, John. But, um, you know, have you, <laughs> you see my thought process. But I, I think you're right, Joe, that we've got to call out bad behaviour. Coincidentally, about three hours ago, I put in a complaint to our monitoring officer about the behaviour uh, and a subsequent email from a long-serving councillor from another party uh, than mine. Uh, and it all happened while we were discussing the new code of conduct. Could you uh, could you make it up? This is Liverpool. You, you know it must be uh, true. But I do think that we must call out bad behaviour. And I put in mind, I've been getting these crap emails for years and I haven't done anything about it. But it only occurred to me last night that I don't care what he says about me, but the effect that similar emails might have on a junior officer, I, I accept I should have done something about it uh, a long time ago. Then the other thing we can do is to rise above it. Now, we used to have a raging bull mare called Joe Anderson, and he was incredibly aggressive. And the worst way we could have responded to him was being aggressive. What we did was take the piss out of him, and he couldn't take that at all. That Nothing shut him up from the fact he was the butt of a joke that we introduced in the council chamber uh, uh, about it. I won't tell you the, to uh, the, the story of why his nickname in Liverpool is Chippy Tits, but we'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, but the problem I have, I mean, we're going to get... I'm going to let Joe and Bridget talk about what they want to see going forward and their future vision for the LGA as well. But the problem we have, and I don't know if many people know, is that there's very little recourse against bad behaving counsellors, really. I mean, we I have a, um, a trans counsellor in my group and the abuse they get from other politicians is absolutely appalling. And there's nothing you can do. So you're in a position where do you then put court of public, uh, court of public opinion on them, of which point that's the attention they want. You know, and this is the difficulty because you talk about Trump and they love the attention. They love the outrage because it kind of they feel like it justifies their their obnoxious opinions. So so you either swallow it and shut up or you go back at them, not in an aggressive way, but go back at them and they give them the attention they want, at which point you kind of feel like you, you lose both ways. So I'd love to know how you think you can get over that kind of situation. I think we've I think we've got to get to the point where we call call it all out. So, you know, as a as a, a woman leader, you know, I I've worked in um, universities, health service, and education, and and in voluntary sector, and I'd never really experienced misogyny until I came into politics. And it's you know it's alive and kicking. It's not not in our party. I hasten hasten to add, um, and you end up with your tolerance level going up and up. And it's only I went and had to speak to some young women um, quite recently, and you know the subject came up, and I was saying to them, no, you've got to call it out every time. And then I thought, you're not doing that, Bridget. You know you've got to start practicing practicing what you preach. So I had to sort of give myself a bit of a talking to, and. Um, mm. You know, we had some particularly difficult, um, difficult men in Cambridgeshire, and uh, yeah, we've just got to get better at doing it. And you know, okay, we sound like a broken record, but until we start doing that, there's going to be no, there's going to be no impact. John, can I just can I just add to that as well? Actually, you know, it's horrible for the person, you know, suffering the abuse or the jibes or whatever. 
actually, you know, in my in my case, it's my family I feel more sorry for. You know, if my mum sees comments, you know, it's a relatively small community. She then gets upset. She then fires off. And I think, oh, God, you know, equally, equally, I know other councillors where it's, you know, affected marriages. I know one I know one of our councillors where um, where somebody was you know, writing to his wife, telling telling him uh, telling her um, he was having an affair so it's sort of like you know just disgruntled it's I mean that is the level so it's the families as families and friends it affects as well so yeah it's a really it's a really tricky issue and um you know on the LGA you know I look forward to you know Bridget in particular and the team sort of you know cracking on tackling well yeah. let's let's I want to let's so we're going to end the podcast on like positive notes so let's hope actually with the work that all groups will hopefully do with the LGA get if once you get more people involved in local politics you can get rid of the the irritating loud mouths that that are in all parties sometimes and and actually because what the moment is they've they've got so few people to replace them and that's on all pie we struggle to find candidates and that's us Tories Labour whomever and so you get stuck with some right Burke you think how has he been a councillor for several decades but let's talk about you guys in the future so so Big send off, Joe. What do you want to see the LGA? What what is it we can look forward to from your from your, the next few years of your um? Your, I was going to say your rule, but that makes it sound like you're like <laughs> the Iron Throne or something like that. But your, your tenure as leader. Yeah, I think my colleagues would have something to say to say about that. I have to, I have to say. No, I think. Yeah, first looking at the uh, the the Lib Dem LG, LG group, well, you say it's the themes that we've been talking about. So that better communication, as, as Bridget and Richard have said, yeah, how we can how we can try and you know get to people if they want to listen, of course. How we can you know continue. Alan Conant, um, you know, in particular as our lead peer, does brilliant work supporting our councillors up and down the land. How we can c- continue to do that, and and you know, hopefully do even more. Uh, you know, that other point about how we can try and improve representation and the point we were just talking about, encourage people to stand as Lib Dem councillors as well. I think, you know, in terms of the LGA's work more more generally on those policy issues, well, you know, clearly we've got the the social care issue at the minute. I mean, the announcement yesterday was so woeful in that it dealt with part of the funding issue, certainly not long term, but it, it didn't really talk about any of the other issues, the staffing crisis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Equally, we've um, we've nearly gone through a podcast without mentioning Brexit, so I'm going to mention it. Um, yeah, we've got we've got the effects of Brexit. We've got the effects of the pandemic. We've got a whole host of problems that were issues before both Brexit and the pandemic, which are still outstanding, whether that's on housing, the climate emergency, et cetera. And then, of course, we've got the issues of Brexit and the pandemic and the fallout from those. And that is going to that's going to be a big task to, um, for local government to step up and, um, and try and fill the gap. So. So, yes, yeah, so those are my those are my those are my aspirations and what I hope we can get stuck into and, and try and deal with. Bridget, anything to add? Well, this morning I thought my job was to supply Joe with pens when he had when he came to meet us. It's probably bigger than that. So, well, I mean, what I'm really interested in is making sure that the things that Joe and I believe are the you know the priorities for all the other um, Lib Dem councillors are actually their priorities, and they're the things that they really want us pushing our liberal values, you know, into government policy. So we've got planning, we've got finance, which of course you know is a is a ongoing nightmare, uh, you know, the local government reform and, you know, the the whole sort of COVID recovery, you know, what's our responsibilities going to be with these million people suffering from long COVID at the moment, making sure that, you know, we are 
our role is to really put, put people and what people want and need at, at the forefront of you know of what we're saying. But as Joe's mentioned, really making sure that people are aware, our councillors are aware of the value of the local government. They feel everybody feels part of the local government association fam family because that's that's what it is, and that they realise that you know Joe and I and all the, the our members who are on all the various um, boards and so on are there both not just to feed information back to them but to take what the, you know, what they want back into board level and to local government association level richard as former leader as always as always on the podcast you get the last word can we all find ways whether that's locally or nationally of having more fun i've really loved going to work with the durham group on Saturday. Lovely people. You wouldn't think we were dealing with serious things. We were laughing the whole time, but we were laughing with each other, not at each other, and we had a good time. And then to pick up the point that you made, uh, John, uh, my batteries have been really recharged over the last three days because I've been collecting stuff. And if I just move this, you can see behind me my front room. Now, my front room doesn't usually look that bad, but uh, I invited people to bring... Thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> I invited people to bring me stuff for our Afghan refugees, and that's just half of it. We've already taken a load of that. But the good thing about that is the people who've come to my door and the conversations we've had and the delight I've had talking to people of similar views to my own, uh, to our own, and... In also getting about 20 of them as new connect contacts, which you didn't have before. Well, that's not why I did it. <laughs> but go out into your ward and knock on some doors. And if it's not an election, it doesn't matter. Good to see you. Oh, we don't usually get people like... So fun and recharge your batteries. So how you're going to do that from London is now your concern, not mine. <laughs> thank you, Richard. And I just want to thank Joe and Bridget so much for coming on. Really important. And like I said, I, I no doubt we'll probably get you on the podcast numerous times. I've actually talked to some of the subgroups in the LJ as well, whether that's dealing with all the various issues about them coming on, talking about their brief. Let's try and promote some of the great work we do as part of the Lib Dem local government family. But I, I know, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in, either listening to us as a podcast or watching us on Facebook and YouTube. We really appreciate you. Do make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can follow everything to do with the podcast at, at LibDemPod. Do check all these guys out on their social media. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes. But thank you so much for watching. And we've got a whole host of brilliant episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe. Thank you very much. <laughs>